My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm glad you could join us for this online edition of Our Sunday School. I'm thrilled you're watching with us. And today is a bit different than last week. Last week, I wasn't able to see any of the comments that were coming in around uh, the Facebook Live video this morning. Uh, with a little help from Dave Barber, uh, I've got it set up so that I can see those coming in. So uh, welcome to Shanda and Amy and Becky and Albert and Shelby and Myla and David and David and Kara and Margie and Darla and Rachel and Zach and Mitch. So uh, we're excited you guys are here. Uh, my wife and daughter are deeply offended that I have not welcomed them. They're sitting on the couch behind you, uh, very likely like you are, uh, in their pajamas. And I have been threatened with divorce if I uh, do anything shy of uh, uh, only mentioning them as opposed to as opposed to um, turning the camera around, which would not be wise. So there is that. So uh, thanks again for uh, joining us this morning. Just a couple of things. We will be uh, having our typical question this morning. So now that I can see your responses, go ahead and be thinking about those. So what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we have studied so far? I uh, would, uh, would love to hear what uh, the Lord is saying uh, in this space. So the whole global clan is here. I'm excited that the whole global clan is here. Looks like the Landers, Poteet, Day, uh, the Clicks, the Aldermans. Uh, Chandelier, yay, and the whole Barber clan is here. And we are uh, praying vigorously for Kristen, and uh, she is expected to, I believe, deliver this weekend. So uh, keep her in your prayers if you would. Uh, but as you are thinking about this question, what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Uh, just a quick review. If you have not already gone to uh, our website, I would encourage you to go to our website, uh, you can click on the Read tab at the top and scroll all the way to the bottom, and you're looking for the, the white T next to today's date. When you see that, that's the handout for today, and that's what we'll be walking through uh, this morning. And then when you're also there, you can subscribe. We have a podcast and a YouTube channel and all those sorts of things, so all those details are here. You can click on the appropriate links and uh, get to where you want to be. If you're also interested in joining our Sunday School, Super simple process. All you need to do is go and watch the lesson at the About Us tab. You can watch or listen. And then if you decide you want to agree to the uh, expect, member expectations, we would love to have you. So uh, very simple process uh, there. Looks like we've got some more folks joining us. So the Dobbs are here, the Samsels. Uh, Brian Willard, good to see you, man. It's been a second, hasn't it? Uh, so uh, next step in our process each week is to uh, read uh, but before, um, before we do that, I'm, I'm still looking to see if anybody has answered any of the uh, what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far. Uh, it does look like uh, online will be the exact same process as in class in that it will be a moment of awkward watching and waiting. Uh, but uh, hey, Gary, glad you're here. Oh, uh, Margie just gave us an update. Thanks for prayers for Kristen still waiting. Doctor visit tomorrow if nothing happens today. So fantastic. Appreciate knowing that. Uh, 
uh, and the Morgans are here. So great. Welcome, guys. So we'll go ahead and read Mark chapter 6. So open your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. Let's read through Mark chapter 6. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. And some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said, he is Elijah. And others said, he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he'd married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you, up to half of my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, For what should I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. And the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. 
And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the fish, two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when the evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. Amen. scroll back through here for just a second. So welcome to those of you that just joined in. We're glad you're here this morning. Uh, I'll repeat myself just a second ago. If you haven't already gotten today's handout, go to OurSundaySchool.com, click on the Read tab, scroll down to uh, about halfway down the page to, until you see today's date, and click on the white T next to today's date, the white T next to today's date, and that'll be uh, our handout for today. So uh, any literary or structural observations uh, for today's text? I want to make sure we take things in context. So before we start talking about the specific words, we've just come out of this passage where Jesus feeds the 5,000. Before that, this is the death of John the Baptist. Before that, he sent out the 12. So he sends out the 12. They go, they come, they go, they come, they go, they come. They do his work that he has uh, commanded them to do. Uh, John the Baptist, uh, in this time that they're going and coming, uh, Herod uh, has him in prison. And John is killed. Uh, in Matthew's gospel, we learn that this is one of the reasons why we transition to verse 30, uh, that, that we want to uh, get Jesus and the disciples away into a, a desolate place so that they can rest and they can mourn. And on their way to this uh, restful place, they are surrounded by thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And uh, it's late in the day. Jesus uh, challenges his uh, challenges his disciples to go and feed these people. And they come back and they bring him five loaves and two fish. And Jesus supplies the need in the midst of a desolate place, which is a theme in Mark chapter 6. So on the heels of this, verse 45, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. They are still tired. This is the end of a very, very long day. It might have even been the day after that John himself died. They're emotionally worn out. They're physically worn out. They're exhausted from dealing with thousands and thousands of people. So we go forward. And this is our context for verse 45. So verse 45, so it says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat. So a couple of things. 
about this, uh, these words here. So immediately this is uh, Mark's theme word as he goes through everything is euthaos. It's as quickly as it can be done. Uh, and the, the verse 45 talks about he made. It's the only time this word's used in Mark. It's to necessitate. It's kind of to compel or to force. This is a, this is a bit of a, a pushy word. Uh, this is not a, would you please go do this? This is a, we are going to go do this now uh, type of a word. So immediately he made his disciples get into the boat um, and go before. So this word shows up several other times uh, in Mark's gospel. I won't take time this morning to do all of these, but I do want to highlight that these particular verses are highlighted in your handout. Uh, when you see highlights in your handout, these are things that I would love for you before Sunday school starts to go and to look up so you're familiar with the context of these words. So we have in our Sunday school homework every single week because it's school. This is an educational focus with a relational component. So there's an expectation as part of a member of our Sunday school that there's some work that's done to prepare for the lesson to bring us to today. So these are the types of things, and I'll try to make this easy on us as we go through. So to go before him to the other side, well, you might be thinking the other side of what? Well, it's the Sea of Galilee. And at the top of the next page, page 199, to Bethsaida. So I've got a picture here that I'd like, you to, walk, I'd like to walk you through for just a second. And uh, this is actually a modern, that is Google Maps. Uh, you can go to Bethsaida today. And uh, Bethsaida is on the uh, north side of the Sea of Galilee, right here. And we believe they were somewhere in this area. So they're going to head across uh, the Sea of Galilee to Bethsaida. Now, Bethsaida is not a city today. It's a bus stop. Uh, so if you go to Google Maps and you type in Bethsaida, all you're going to get is a junction. So you can get picked up for a bus there today, but there's not much left, uh, as is the case for quite a few uh, biblical cities. So they went across to the other side uh, to Bethsaida, uh, while he, so the he here is Jesus, while he dismissed the crowd. Now, if you've ever done any public speaking, if you've ever been a part of a large uh, public gathering, you know that uh, in any public gathering, there's always folks that want to hang around and chat afterward. Right, And uh, sometimes these folks like to chat for a little while. Sometimes these folks like to chat for a long time. But there's a point at which everybody just needs to go. And Jesus, caring and compassionate toward his disciples, sent his disciples away so that he took on the brunt of this particular work. So I want you to see that this is a big and tiring job. And it would also would have been exhausting at this point. He was, he was 100% man, 100% God. The man, God, Jesus Christ, is exhausted at this point. He is physically tired. So I want you to see what he does when he is tired. He still has compassion on the people. His compassion for the people did not run out when their bellies were filled. It continued to care for them as individuals. So verse 46, and after he had taken leave of them, so Jesus has left the crowd at this point, he goes up on the mountain to pray. He went up on the mountain to pray. Now, we'll look at a picture here in just a second of the uh, terrain around the Sea of Galilee. But uh, it was uh, surrounded on several different sides with mountainous cliffs. And the question I have in my notes here for me to ask you and for me to ask me, is what I've been asking myself this week, is what do I do when I'm physically tired? When I have had a long day of ministry, when I have had a tremendous amount of work, uh, come home from work, uh, 
have family time, come home from family time, you get phone calls, you get text messages, you get emails, hey, so-and-so needs help, let's go help, you go help. When I come back, when I'm exhausted, what's my natural response? My natural response is leave me alone, uh, let me sit on the couch, and uh, I will rest. My natural response is not to go and to pray. But Jesus knew that his source of power was relationship uh, with the Father as well. So he goes and he prays. He spends time in prayer. So verse 47, and when evening came, so it was already late in the day in the feeding of the 4,000, but in verse 47, when evening came, the boat was out on the sea. It's actually uh, in the middle of the sea. Some of your translations might say in the middle of the sea. And he was alone on the land. So Jesus is uh, alone on the mountain praying. Uh, the disciples are out in the middle of the uh, Sea of Galilee, and he saw. So this is the picture I wanted to show you a little while ago. So Bethsaida is over here. This is uh, tilted a little bit, so north is this way. Um, so Bethsaida is over here. This is where we think uh, the disciples perhaps were. Somewhere over here, they're sailing to uh, Bethsaida. And uh, Jesus is very likely up on one of these uh, mountains right here, one of these high spots that he could see down into the Sea of Galilee. So he saw that they were making headway painfully. The words here are hard. The words here are challenging. The words here are not, oh, this was a bit tough. No, 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 this was... The word for making is a present active. It's, it's continually occurring. They were pushing. They were pushing through uh, painfully. This is a present passive participle. Something is happening to them repeatedly. And the word literally means torture. Uh, it's used one other time in Mark's gospel in Mark 5, verse 7. If you flip back over to Mark 5, verse 7, you'll remember the story of the maniac of Gadara. And... When he cries out in verse 7, he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of, the, uh, son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. This was not a light thing. This was a significant thing. This was a hard thing. And remember, quite a few of the disciples were sailors. Uh, they were fishermen. They knew how to handle themselves on the water. And uh, this was tough. This was a hard go at it. So they're making headway painfully. This is a torturous headway here, for the wind was against them. It was opposite them. This word is used one other time in Mark, in Mark 15, 39, and it's used to describe the, uh, the, the uh, Roman soldier at the cross who turns and faces Jesus on the cross and has this conversation with him. So the wind is, the wind is in their face. It's coming at them. So the wind was against them. And it says, in about the fourth watch of the night, now, if you look at the, the highlighted portion, there's a, a superscript G there that is highlighted on your handout. Uh, it's very small. If you go down to the bottom of this particular handout, you'll see that uh, this is between 3 a.m. and 6 uh, a.m. And if you might be wondering, well, what's, what's this watches of the night? Well, I, I made a little graphic here uh, just so that we can be aware of what's going on. So uh, the Romans uh, were very serious about their security. And if you want to put somebody on a security watch, you don't have them on watch for the entire night. 12 hours is far too long to actually have a, a security duty. 
Uh, you, you do actually need rest at some point during the evening. So they divided the watch, they divided the night up into four different watches. So the first watch is six to nine, second watch is nine to midnight, third watch is midnight to three, and fourth watch is 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. So we are right here. And I want you to see something. Back in verse 46, it says he went up on the mountain to pray because it was already evening. In 47, when evening came, the boat was out on the sea. In 48, he saw that they were making headway painfully. And then, in about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. We don't have any record of Jesus actually sleeping here. We don't have any record of the disciples sleeping here. This was exhausting. If the disciples did sleep, it was for a very short period of time before this pushback, this wind came and addressed and pushed against them. This would not have been something you could sleep through easily. But it says the fourth watch of the night. So this is 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. So I don't know what your favorite time to do ministry is, but mine is not 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. My favorite time to do nothing is 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. So uh, my wife just said a silent amen. Uh, she's nodding her head in agreement. Uh, I would imagine this is probably true for most of you. Uh, but the fourth watch of the night, uh, he came and he came to them. So don't miss these beautiful little things that happen in the midst of Jesus' ministry. He has ministered to the disciples by trying to get them away to a quiet place to mourn to catch their breath from this ministry, from this news of John the Baptist's death. He has ministered to thousands, possibly even tens of thousands of people, feeding them, dealing with them after the feeding period is over. He has prayed. He has watched his disciples, and now he is going to them. So he came to them walking, and this is a present active participle. So he's, he's continuously walking. And, and one of the definitions, I love this definition of this word, to walk around at large, especially as proof of ability. So you can almost see this as a toddler that is just trying to figure out, hey, I can do this. And what do they do once they realize that everybody's watching and they have their phones out? They do it a lot because they want to be the center of attention. This is, I can do, watch me, I can do this. Obviously, Jesus is not, um, uh, he is not uh, doing this as a boastful uh, event. He is doing this to take care of his friends, to take care of his disciples. Um, yes, Margie, I was up in the fourth watch of the night, too. Uh, I think we were on Facebook together at the same time, actually, so that makes me laugh. Uh, he, he came to them uh, walking on the sea. So don't miss the miracle, right? I, I get detail-oriented, and I've got my eyes down, not necessarily in the trees, but in the grass. Uh, but don't miss the miracle that he was walking on the sea. And don't miss the miracle that he had to walk on the sea for a pretty good ways, Right? This was not a, they were not uh, in the dead center. They were not next to the, uh, to the shore here. It says that the, the specific words in Greek are they were in the middle. So they were out here toward the middle somewhere. So he walked all this way. That's, that's a pretty good haul. It's a pretty good haul. So he's in, uh, walked to them on the sea, uh, continuing in verse 48. He meant... He meant. This is uh, a very similar word to the word earlier in Mark chapter 6 where we talked about what Herod wanted or what Herod wished, what uh, Herodias wanted, what Herodias wished, what Herodias' daughter Salome wanted, what Salome wished. And this, this is what Jesus wished. 
he wanted, he wanted to pass by them. Which is a strange thing, right? So why would he want to pass by them? Well, there's a couple of things here. Look at the definitions of this word. This word has a very broad range of definitions. One definition can mean to come near or aside. One definition can be to approach. One definition can be to go by. One definition can be to perish or neglect. And then one definition can be to avert. Well, obviously it wasn't avert. And obviously he didn't want them to perish. So we can, we can remove four and five. Uh, but your translators have picked one for you in their interpretation of this text. And the interesting thing is that translators do this an awful lot, which is one of the reasons I like to go back. What do the original words mean? so that we can look at ranges of meaning, because words have ranges of meaning. One word doesn't mean just one thing all the time. But he meant to pass them by. I would lean more toward the approach, given the context of he saw them struggling, he has just had compassion, he is going to come near or come aside or to approach. He meant to approach them. And then the challenge with that uh, understanding is uh, verse 49 but when they saw him walking on the sea, again, don't miss the miracle. When they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. For they all, uh, for they all saw him and were terrified. So he, he's looking in verse, he comes by uh, in 49. They see him walking on the sea. Uh, they thought it was a ghost, a phantasma. They thought this was a spirit of some sort. And they cried out, they screamed out. So you have these experienced sailors who have gone into uh, full panic mode. They are, <laughs> they are concerned at this point because the wind is against them and now they're seeing things. And this word only occurs one other time. This word for crying out only occurs one other time in Mark, in Mark one twenty three, And this is, um, this is when Jesus healed the man with an unclean spirit. And the text says, and immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit and he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So I don't want you to miss the word connections to these particular, uh, uh, these words in Mark 6 in this text that we're studying today to words earlier in Mark that have to deal with demons and what demons react and how they respond uh, to Scripture, uh, to Jesus himself. So it was a ghost and he, they cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. Top of page 202. Uh, congratulations. We have a more than 200-page document. I'm excited about this. That's my number joke for the day. Uh, the word literally means to stir or to agitate, which I have in my notes. Duh, right? This is um, <laughs> this would have been agitating. Right? This would have stirred me up quite a bit. And then uh, continuing on in verse 50, it says, But immediately, again, Mark's favorite word, he spoke to them and said, and here's the beautiful part of the story, I think, the beautiful part of the story. Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. So I want to show you something about these words for just a second. So the take heart, stresso, this is a present active imperative. This is a command to be repeatedly obeyed. So you could think about this as keep taking heart. Keep taking heart, keep taking heart, keep being courageous, keep being courageous, keep being courageous. This word shows up uh, one other time in Mark, in Mark 10, uh, 49. Um, 
And he also says, this is the, the blind Bartimaeus conversation that Jesus has in Mark 10, uh, verse 49. Then Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up. He's calling you. Be courageous here. Show some uh, fortitude here. So take heart. Be courageous. It is I. Now, in the Gospel of John, if you've ever studied uh, the Gospel of John, if you've been to a church very long and there's a study of the Gospel of John, there are several different things that are studied in the Gospel of John. Lots of sevens in the Gospel of John. One of the sevens that's in the Gospel of John is there are seven I am statements of Jesus. And I used to struggle with this when I was a kid because I could read through the Gospel of John and you read through and as a kid and I'd see the, the words I am more than seven times and I'd think, there's more than seven in there, guys. I don't know what y'all are talking about. But in the original, in our in the original language, yes, Marky, that's exactly where we're going to land the plane. Nice catch. Uh, in the original language, this is two words. It's ego ame, and those specific words only show up seven times in the Gospel of John. And these are declarations that Jesus makes about who he really is. This is him saying, I. Am. This is Jesus connecting with the Old Testament understanding that the disciples had about who God was and what God's name was. Because that's the name that God told Moses to go and tell Pharaoh, I am has sent me. So when Jesus says, I am, this is when everybody's ears perk up. This is a, 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 a call to pay attention here. So he says, take heart, I am. This is encouraging news, especially in the midst of a storm. And then there's one more, uh, mephabeo. This is uh, no fearing. Uh, and this is a present, middle, or passive opponent imperative. So this is the idea of uh, something's going to happen potentially to you repeatedly that you're commanded to do. So don't fear. Don't be fearing. Keep being courageous. I am don't be fearing over and over and over. And these are commands to be repeatedly obeyed. Commands that are applicable to us. Commands that would certainly have been applicable to the disciples many, many more times in their lives. Because this, although it was a troublesome time, this would not have been the toughest time in the disciples' lives. The toughest time in their lives would be later on in their lives. Jesus has gone theirs is the kingdom to spread, and they get persecuted for this. Almost every single person in that boat dies for the cause of Christ one day. Keep that in mind. So these words, when Jesus Christ himself comes and says, take heart, I am no fearing, these would have been words that could have stuck. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but when I have some great uh, challenge, some problem, some emotionally uh, charged situation, and somebody speaks to me something that is very helpful, those words I remember more in that moment than words just in casual conversation here or there. I would imagine that they remembered these. Verse 51. I saw a clip uh, yesterday of a, a part of a sermon from last year's Together for the Gospel. Uh, as you know, many things across our world right now are being canceled. This year's Together for the Gospel Coalition uh, conference is, is not going to be held. 
And so they were showing some clips from prior uh, TG4s and uh, there was a, a gentleman speaking and he talked about how he had just read something from B.B. Warfield where Warfield had gone and done a study of the Gospels looking for the emotional uh, commonality across the Gospels in the life of Jesus Christ. So how is he described most commonly in the, in the Gospels? And his most common uh, way that he is described in the Gospels is, is a way that we see in Mark chapter 6, and that is compassionate. He looked at the crowd and he had compassion on them, for they were like sheep without having a shepherd. And what Jesus does in verse 51 is unbelievable because he didn't have to do it. He didn't have to get off, off of the mountain and climb down and walk across the sea and tell them to take heart and to that he was, that he is, that he is the I am and to not fear. But he certainly didn't have to get into the boat with them. But he got into the boat with them. And this was incredibly, incredibly encouraging. This would have been a moment of compassion. So he gets into the boat with them, and then something else that's just amazing, and the wind ceased, right? So this, is, this, this doesn't happen if you've ever been on the water. I'm not a huge fan of the water, uh, but if you've ever been on the water, if, it's, if the waves are going because of wind, um, it, it takes a while for everything to die down. But the wind doesn't just stop. Wind slowly, kind of, and this is not that. This is, this is stop. Uh, all right, I got a couple comments here. Let me see these. Yes, David, he, he absolutely could have been checking on them to make sure they were okay. Absolutely, um, it, it, Jesus is in a interesting uh, relationship with the disciples because uh, he is a son of God. We are sons of God. They were at some point, sons of God. Uh, so there's a sense in which they were brothers. There's a commonality in the fatherhood here. But there's also a, a job that they have. They have jobs of disciples. And the job of the disciples is to go wherever the rabbi goes and to follow him and do exactly what the rabbi says. So the rabbi says, go do this, you go do this. Uh, so there's a, there's a, uh, I don't wanna say employer-employee, but a trainer-trainee kind of relationship going on here as well. Uh, yes, uh, uh, Erez 51, oh, verse 51, yes, sorry, sorry, Stacy. <laughs> I, I thought you were uh, quoting one of the apocryphal books, and I thought, that, let's not do that in Sunday school, that's not good. Uh, one of my favorite passages, because he was, and always will be, master of the wind. Yes, he is, absolutely. He made it all, right? He made it all. He can control it. It shouldn't surprise us that he can control it. All right, continuing on in verse 51, and they were utterly astounded. This word for utterly shows up several times in Mark's gospel as well. Uh, I won't take time to go through all of them. I do want you to see the last time it shows up in Mark 16, 2. Uh, 16, 1 says, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, uh, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. So where's the word utterly? And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. It's the word very. This was uh, incredibly early. This was uh, almost ridiculously early. I would uh, argue that uh, this would have been uh, virtually immediately as the sun rose. Uh, they were utterly astounded. 
this word astounded, is a word that had been used on Jesus saying that he was insane. He had lost his mind. They were utterly astounded. Four, this is the, this is the uh, assigning a reason word. You can almost think about this as a because type of a word, gar. Uh, they did not understand. They didn't have this uh, putting it together. They didn't have this comprehension. They, they hadn't put all the pieces of what they'd been seeing him do together yet so that he under, they understood what he was actually doing. They did not understand about the loaves. And this is one of those texts where you say, wait, the loaves, we've already left that story. That story's done. Well, this is one of the danger, it can be a danger of jumping around in the scripture and not seeing the larger connected thoughts. So they didn't understand about the loaves. They were still stuck back here on the loaves, even though this problem is facing them immediately that they needed to deal with that they couldn't deal with, that Jesus had to come and help them deal with. But their hearts were hardened. And I'm, I'm glad that the this kind of a section ends here because it's a nice package. I want to end the lesson here as well. Their hearts were hardened. This word means to petrify, uh, to enter it. It's to, to render stupid or callous. Think about uh, a callous on your hands or things that uh, get worn over with time. And part of your homework this week your homework is listed down there at the bottom of page 203, uh, will be to go and to look how this word is used in 652 as well as Mark 817. Uh, we'll talk about this word a lot more when we get to 817 uh, in... When we get there, I don't know. Uh, I can hear Daniel Goble laughing at me from here, so thank you. Uh, but we'll get there when we get there. And, and the, an easy question to ask right now is, why were their hearts hardened? Well, because it had something to do with the loaves, right? The text actually tells us this in verse 52. So, so think through this. We'll talk about this a little bit more uh, next week. Uh, but a couple application points here, uh, application and personalization so application is, what is the point? Like, what is this passage? Uh, what is the timeless truth here going on? And then personalization is, what do we do with that? So a couple of application points, and then we'll finish. So application point uh, one in my notes here is, uh, disciples are not promised an easy journey. Uh, this is not what uh, God has promised us. Um, God has promised us his presence with us through the journey. So if you look around in the world today and you go, wow, this is really hard, well, like, nine things. The, the first eight are, this is not that hard. Uh, when, when people we know start getting sick and dying, then it becomes hard. Staying at home and watching Netflix marathons is not hard, guys. So let's just, let's put some things in the context here. Uh, disciples are not promised an easy journey. So what do we do with that? Well, we're commanded to keep taking heart, keep being courageous, keep knowing and beholding that the one who has promised to be with us is actually with us. Right? And then application point number two, uh, disciples are promised a Savior in the boat. We are promised a Savior in the boat. We have a Savior who is not going to go up on the mountaintop and pray and watch and do nothing. That is not our Jesus. And when we have the opportunity right now to see the world around us, some people losing their ever-loving minds, we have an opportunity 
to go and to serve and to engage in ways that are both safe and ways that will be compassionate for others to see the love of Jesus in action. So what do we do with that? Keep no fearing. Keep no fearing. Esther is here. Yay! She's one of my favorite people in the whole universe. Hello, Esther, from the other side of the planet. Say hello to your husband, too, for me. I hope he's with you. Hello, hello. Um, sorry, she's just a fantastic human being. I just really like Esther. So, All right, so application point number two for me was uh, disciples are promised a Savior in the boat, so keep no fearing. He is with us. Wow. The flannel graph story of Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through 52 is all about Jesus walking on the water. And as a little boy, that was mind-blowing. But as somebody with a lot more gray hair now, I love that he got in the boat with them. I love that he told them who he was. I love that he told them, don't fear and keep not fearing. So the challenge to you this morning is know that our Savior is in this boat with us. Keep being courageous and keep having no fear. Don't stop believing in his promises. Keep engaging with each other. This is a fantastic message for us right now. I'm always amazed, um, always amazed at how uh, the Spirit is able to, uh, even with no schedule, which again drives me crazy, uh, with no schedule, we just have a plan to keep going. The Spirit is able to have something that is incredibly applicable every single week. And I appreciate you uh, joining us this morning. Our homework down at the bottom. Actually, sorry, our, our plan next week will start with Mark uh, 6.53, and we'll go until we're finished. We very likely will finish Mark chapter 6 next week. <laughs> it's fantastic. I'm excited. So your homework for next week is to pray for help in understanding Mark, to hear Mark multiple times, to think about Mark often, day and night, to talk with someone dead or alive about Mark, Share your insights about Mark and to invite a member and a non-member uh, to Our Sunday School. All the resources you've seen today are at OurSundaySchool.com. You can go to OurSundaySchool.com, click on the subscribe tab, subscribe to the YouTube channel, see all the past uh, teachings on Mark. And then uh, if you want to join our class, we'd love to have you join our class. You can join from anywhere. You can join our class, Our Sunday School. If you're a member of another Sunday School, not a problem. Uh, you can double dip. It's okay. So our prayer time, uh, a couple of options here. One, I would love you to put your prayer requests in the comments uh, so that we can kind of all see and pray for each other together. Uh, Darla will capture these and, and send them back out to our folks in our, uh, our private Sunday school class, uh, Facebook group. Lean in, engage, and pray for somebody who's not with you right now. So let, I'm, I'm going to pick Esther right now because uh, she's telling us that she's hunkered down uh, in a place where this thing is ugly in her part of the world. Um, and, and I appreciate folks that are telling the truth about uh, the status of things. Uh, so I'm going to pray for her and her safety and her family's safety this morning. We love you, Esther. We're praying for you. And then uh, go to the Stuart Hines Facebook page at 10 o'clock. Gary's got a sermon there for us. Uh, I believe it's going to be live this morning. So I'm excited about uh, hearing our pastor, seeing our pastor. Uh, I miss you guys. I can't wait to see you. Um, we'll get through this. It'll be all right. He's in the boat with us. Keep being courageous and keep not fearing. This is good news. Go tell somebody about it. Thanks, guys. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast 
and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.